Welcome back to Reformed Millennials, the podcast where finances, economic trends, and sports intersect. Cam and Joel help listeners better invest their time and money. Also, it's important for listeners to understand that investing in equities, fixed income instruments, and or alternative asset classes involves substantial risk of loss. Any action you may take as a result of the information presented in this podcast is your own responsibility. The information in this podcast is presented as a general educational, informational, and entertainment resource only. While Joel is registered to provide investment advice, this podcast does not provide individualized investment, tax, or insurance advice, nor is it meant as a recommendation to any listener to buy or sell any specific securities or otherwise take any other form of investment action. This is an excerpt of the full legal disclaimer that's available on the landing page of this podcast, which includes whether Cam Pitchers or Joel Shackleton have any ownership or interest in the specific securities discussed in this podcast. So, Cam, we just sat here for 20 minutes discussing what we were not going to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was i guess happy thanksgiving to all that celebrated over the weekend but yeah it's a uh, interesting times we we're never we've 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 talked about this multiple times before and how the 24-hour news cycle is more evident than ever in the past <clears throat> for sure in the last four years call it three years it just it's always something else like trump presidency Obviously, a news story every single day is something new that he said or has offended someone or done something that's shaking markets or shaking the geopolitical scene or shaking the social structures that are in our Western civilization. And then we go into the COVID era, and now we've come out and with... Multiple wars. Multiple wars. I mean, that's the, the real shift. It's like it's gone from being, you know, more localized issues call it like north american issues that maybe we're talking about day to day and now it's continued to grow with the the geopolitical scene that we're currently seeing and yeah i I always felt that war would bring us together and it seems to not be working um well i think when you have multiple fronts going yeah and especially in in an era where i i was thinking about this the other day too like i mean of course there have been wars but to your point about the kind of bringing bringing things together, like, I mean, in our 33 years on this earth, the most significant war would have been post 9-11 for us mm. to kind of follow and kind of like really like see that on TV. And I think originally, obviously, that was a reaction to a horrific event. And everyone was like, well, yeah, of course you have to do that. You have to go over and you have to defend yourselves and you have to get eradicate this issue, essentially. But now, like, I think if you, I'm not saying that, that decision would have been different or that the general sentiment at that time, like I think if you look back at polling back in those days, it was like 84% of Americans support for sure going over whatever it might be. Right. So obviously like lots of sentiment or positive sentiment around doing something about it. But now like you always talk or you always hear about all of the, this was a, this was the wrong decision, like being in Afghanistan or being in Iraq or being in wherever it was over those years for that length of time. And so like the, the I think the... Was our reasoning uh, justified? There's all Exactly. This, it's all these like look back, like hindsight 2020, all these things. Of course, like I am no geopolitical expert by any means in understanding the actual inner workings of war and the decisions that were made at that time. But I feel like with that being our most recent, I would say like major 
conflict that the Western world was super a part of, at least unless I'm completely forgetting something, but I feel like that was like kind of the most significant one. When you now have these new ones, people, I think, have a a different reaction to it. It's not quite, and especially it's not something that happened to North America per se. It's happening to allies of North America in certain sections of the world, obviously. And there's a lot of split opinion and it's not necessarily like you, like anything these days we have. Uh, You know what I'm finding though is that we've, we've effectively as a population, we throw us like we have, we now all have to have an opinion. Now we all have to be a part of a tribe. And what is Mm. evident to me going through people's Instagram stories is that everyone has a different understanding of the, of the conflicts. They all have their own biases Again, everybody walks 99% of their life outside of the realm of even their closest confidant, their their partner. So they have different experiences, different ideas, different understandings. And um, we're expected to have or to all have the same opinion. And if the person next to you or the person you're watching a story of doesn't have the same as yours, we're now all enraged by it. And well, Yeah, well, and like this is, is obvious, but the fact that there is the ease of being able to express your opinion and the ease of being able to have multiple information sources now. Like, again, back in 2001, there would have been two or three places that we would have been getting a message Mm -hmm. from. Whereas now it's four million if you want to seek it out. On the low side. On the low side. Right. That that makes it increasingly difficult to come to consensus on um, not necessarily having the opinion I'm not going to sit here and debate that with you, but it's more about feeling the feeling comfortable with the information that you are gathering being accurate or something that you should spend time doing. Because it's like if you can hear one opinion and within three seconds hear another hear another opinion and, and then your opinion starting to change, like your the way that your brain works on that and hearing all those multiple things, it's it's easy to get it's either easier to confirm your bias or it's easier to get enraged by something Mm. when you continually hear something that you either don't want to hear or want to hear. Yeah. And I, you know, I've read a lot of accounts of, of the situation going on in the middle East right now on Twitter. I also have myself spent a lot of time getting to understand, um, the Palestinian plight and like the, the challenges that they've had over the last hundred years. Same with the Jewish people. I've done my best and I still don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And um, to sit around Thanksgiving with your family and watch CNN or watch Fox or watch um, whatever news source and then try to have a conversation while also reading everybody's opinions on Instagram and on Facebook. It's overwhelming. It's incredibly overwhelming. It's also really challenging because everybody um, seems to be reposting a lot of the same stuff and then expecting others to do the same. Um, and that just causes a lot of challenges and it's incredibly complicated, especially this specific situation. This region of the world is outrageously complicated. Mm -hmm. How it came to be is incredibly complicated. So, um, without giving an opinion in any way, I just, obviously we condemn what's happened and, and how it's gone down. I think that that's obvious. However... However, I want to point people to a few of the things that I was reading. I'm going to point and throw people to our newsletter because I'm going to post post all of them there. And I have a 
close to a 30 hour podcast that I've recommended on multiple occasions over the five years almost that we've been doing this podcast and it's fear and loathing in new Jerusalem and it's nearly 30 hours long. However, Dan Carlin and his confidant there won multiple awards for this podcast series and it speaks to how Israel came to be, how they became, they started out as friends, the Palestinians and the, the Arabs and the, and the Jews and the way in which it's evolved since then and why I think that everyone would benefit from understanding how this all came to be. And then also extending past that, how it's um, effectively grown since then. So um, this is, again, not every and all information. I'm just saying this is what I've read. And I think it would be beneficial for everyone to read because I, I believe that it, it changes someone's perspective and it gives you, um, it makes you feel a little bit of it makes you feel sad for all of the innocent on both sides and um it doesn't make you a um somebody who's forced into one side or the other it allows for you to be open-minded so i, well, I think that the that, thing is like hopefully that's a, a good recommendation that people will enjoy because i mean sifting through again hot takes on twitter hot takes on twitter or whatever information because I, I think the other thing too that like i find myself i have to remind myself too it doesn't matter what it is if it's something you know technical at work or if it's you know understanding the history of a situation it's really easy just to say i want a fast answer mm. and well yeah i want i want to know exactly how to feel in 30 seconds yeah like so <clears throat> using the you know various search engines that we have chat gpt whatever it might be we're, we're being constantly told that our lives are getting easier and it's and access to information is is seamless and an instant and all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, when you're talking with complicated technical situation at work or understanding the the history of of a conflict or of our world, it's going to take some work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a little bit of work and a little bit more time than probably what you want it to be. Yeah, and I think if you just keep telling yourself that, and then again seeking out you know the the best information, like people that you trust. You know what's really funny? Oh, yeah, that's a huge per- As huge we move, move on past this, um, Peter Zion, I started, I was a su- subscriber to his, his YouTube channel when he had 500 subs. Mm. He's almost at 700,000 now. For a guy who talks about geopolitics in four-minute videos on the top of mountains, and he's objectively not that good looking. It's pretty <laughs> crazy. Like, what yeah, a, you think he's he would done have a really good like job. a nice, like, stand at this point. Something. Yeah. But... Um, he still uses crappy AirPods, just, but he's just gorilla. Yeah. And he's really, um, found a niche there and done a really good job. His channel is fantastic. And he always leads you into interesting things that you can build off of. Yeah. So like, again, four minutes or whatever it might be that he's giving a spiel on. And then it's like, Oh, like I really want to look into that more or he'll talk about something that he's read or listened to or whatever it might be. And yeah, you're right. Obviously, that that really boils down to trust. It's done a really good job. So, um, where I want to take this conversation is away from the the, the politics and and more so, as we dive into like a market update of sorts. I want to talk about the um, what, how to possibly or what the history of investing through war is like, and what does well during those time periods. Obviously, over the last call it quarter, we've had a market that's traded down. 
Um, you've seen treasury yield spike. Everyone has been talking about it. Um, the the current risk premium that you're paying to own equities here doesn't make a lot of sense when you can effectively buy risk-free money by, again, air quotes here, risk-free money uh, around 5%. You can borrow the money from the government for, I think you can lend the money for 30 years to the U.S. government at 4.8% right now. Pretty damn good. You could see why people with large sums of money are just opting for that because that covers their 4% rule. Mm -hmm. While that may come with a ton of volatility in the underlying bond, it is still a nice little clip. And in my understanding and all of my education, all the reading I've ever done in markets, when yields are this high, future forward returns are also very high. And that is, that brings me optimism. Mm -hmm. It was really challenging to have that view in 2011 through to 2022 because interest rates were effectively zero. Now we don't have that. But that also makes the investing in equities challenging. I also think that's going to make investing in, in index funds challenging because unfortunately, and if you were to look at the companies that are above their 50-day moving averages and 200-day moving averages, or I tend to like the 52-week, the large majority of stocks this year are down. The Dow is down this year. The TSX is down this year. However, the NASDAQ's up 30%. There's 100 companies across the globe that are up. Everything else isn't. So when you look at these large indexes that have 500 in the ter- 504 names, and in the case of, of the S&P 500 or the Russell 3000 or L- Russell 1000 mega caps or large caps, the majority of them are being pulled up by communication companies, technology companies. When you think about when you go on vacation and the products that you're using, like say you were to go to Toronto or if you were to go to a new country, you went to London and you have a group of friends that you speak to. Ours is a bad example because we use an iPhone and an iMessage, but for most they're using WhatsApp or they're, and they're effectively going there with seven products, which are all made by the big seven companies. Mm. And I saw a really interesting chart recently which uh, speaks to the um, the boom, the bubble, and then the deflating of a bubble of assets, and then uh, the unfortunate returns after that. And I think over in 2000, we had a bubble, and then we had a deflation of that bubble through 2001, 2, 3, and then we had some superstar companies come out of that that have done particularly well while everything else kind of just struggled along and in 2022 i think the same thing happened i'm not sure which one of the businesses that are coming out of that are going to be the the new big seven it's pretty clear to me that nvidia is going to be one of them um but what i'm I'm trying to speak to here is that this market is already in a bear market if you didn't have ai come to the rescue and on a go forward basis it's fairly interesting to me to see this divergence because if you didn't own the big seven companies in any capacity, if you weren't overweight them, you're getting hammered this year. Um, and then you you look at everyone on CNBC, you watch BNN, Bloomberg, and they're all in the camp. Recession's coming, recession's coming. How, how do we not have a, a housing bubble? This is a housing bubble. How do we not see our, our Gen Z um, and the, the, the difficulties they're having buying homes and not view that as being a huge challenge. We have um, people having to pay down their, their student debt. We have all these massive problems. However, 
the consumer continues to stay strong. Employment is beyond full. Mm -hmm. We have more job openings than we did two months ago and and think that we're going to go into some massive recession because I just don't see it. Um, It's my opinion over the next three months, we're probably going to see a rally here uh, going into the end of the year. It's likely that this war in the Middle East is bearish for oil. And it's probably going to be seen in that Iran's production comes off and then you see Saudi Arabia fall in and then they start to produce more. There's a lot of um, things that you need to start to consider. And we have talked about this for probably nine months. But the addition of commodities is where I think more investors need to start to position themselves. Um, Big tech, in my opinion, unless we get some sort of regulation, needs to be a big, massive portion, I think. Um, communication and then large tech is going to continue to perform well as they should. But then if you aren't diversifying outside of the laggards, the, the, the companies that are in that decline or do nothing, you're likely going to underperform. And there is a ton of evidence going back all the way to the 1950s that you should be an owner of commodities because it performs particularly well during inflationary environments and during war. And what is unlikely to happen is the continuance of the cost of money going up while the United States is fighting a war on two fronts. And yeah. if they're continuing to spend, 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 they have the Inflation Reduction Act, which is such a dumb name, but it is what it is. Um, and you have the, the war in the Ukraine, which they continue to finance. And then they have the war where they back Israel. All of that is very expensive. And if you start to look at and, and just watch CNBC and have them talk, comment on the 30 plus trillion dollar um, deficit that the U.S. is running right now, and everyone's concerned about financing it. Well, if you continue to raise interest rates, the financing cost goes up. And that, as a percentage of your budget, is massive. Same problems in Canada. So if we want to get back to and continue to have and fight these wars, it's unlikely that we're going to be able to sustain higher for longer interest rates. And since 1980, the higher for longer narrative has continued to shrink in terms of length. Mm. And like I think what, what higher, what longer means. Yeah, yeah. That longer portion shrinks. The, our control over boom and bust cycles, I think has gotten better. Our understanding of how to utilize these, these tools is better. The only problem I, I see is truthfully government spending. And beyond that, obviously, we're going to see it in the short term, an uptick in in inflation. It's quite clear that that's coming. But um, over a nine to three, nine month to three year time period, it's my opinion that, I mean, with when you have labor this tight, there's just no flipping way you're going to see a massive recession. Who's going to stop spending? You need to see the narrative change to I have to really buckle down. We are not going to be able to buy Johnny Christmas gifts. I just lost my job. Mm-hmm. That, I get, I guess, can come in different fashions. But until you start to see the cycle of consumer sentiment where people are truly bearish, I just don't see it. The only people I see yammering on about recessions are ultra-wealthy billionaires and their economists that they pay for talk about how there's just no way we can con- continue to see consumers be this strong until i see the narrative change in the human being and that start to 
take effect, and mm-hmm. then you see that feedback loop, and then it's kind of like a flywheel effect where misery becomes and eats itself. I just I haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying it won't come. I'm not saying it's not in Q1 next year. Yeah. I'm just saying that's not here As yet. It stands, yeah. No one's losing their jobs yet. No one's cutting. I mean, it can come, but and I don't. I also recommend people diversify their portfolios. It seems like everyone thinks gold's stupid, but it's been a great place to own or a great thing to own. It's it's outperformed bonds. So that's a long way winded way of me saying um, check out our newsletter because I have a whole <laughs> bunch of reading on why a diversifying of your portfolio outside of basic equities. So when your portfolio manager is going like, no, man, I got to own, you got to own 25% of your portfolio in banks, railways, REITs, consumer staples, yada, yada. I think that it's going to make a lot of sense to start approaching different portions mm-hmm. of, of your portfolio and adding alternatives, commodities, private credit, high yield, stuff that diversifies your portfolio so that you can run through these, these volatile times. Um, more appropriately while grabbing some yield. I mean, man, mm-hmm. you can literally lend money to some of the greatest companies in the world and outclip 5% while you're what? Buying the equity of banks? Yeah. So you can get a 6% divvy? Dumb. So <laughs> that's not financial advice. That's not financial <laughs> advice at all. I'm not saying banks are bad investments either. I'm just suggesting that there's lots of other options out there. It's never been this. To be a, an investment shopper, it's mm-hmm. pretty great. Mm-hmm. And if you have a little bit of money and you're in your 50s and 60s, I'm very jealous of you because this is, it seems like the boomers just keep getting lucky. You know, they're, ju- <laughs> they're on the tail end of their... Um, Don't feed that narrative. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but they're, they're all, I think the, the youngest boomer is 60 right now. And mm-hmm. just as they're about to retire, interest rates go to 5% so that they can lock in for 5% guaranteed return until they're 90. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, but we can go on forever as to why boomers are luckier than we are. But um, I hope that, that that helps people get an understanding of where I'm think or what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, war makes it challenging. I, I think yeah, I, that- I think the I, I think the most challenging piece that and I know I had mentioned to you, I don't this wasn't necessarily part of the notes or anything like that heading in or would be part of your newsletter, but Paul Tudor Jones, which I know you've mentioned his name and talked about him at length before on podcasts and so he was on MSNBC and I think his clip went pretty viral yesterday for anyone that follows any fin twit stuff by the way I had to correct you earlier you did say Twitter again it's X formerly known as Twitter <laughs> um, I just love that every single publication that's what they put event, in there. they have every to put time. that in there yeah. because no one knows if you just put X it might look like a spelling error when or <laughs> that they missed uh, press and delete on their article but um, he was on MSNBC just talking about essentially saying like, we're facing the most threatening geopolitical situation since World War II while simultaneously being in the weakest fiscal position in decades. So that sentence doesn't exactly sound awesome to, no. your, to, to the average investor or anyone tuning in and, and following kind of hot take Twitter or anything like that. That's not going to be something that's, that's received very well. And I think if you listen to the whole clip and his whole, his whole segment, I think you can understand his position on that. But to your point, I mean, this is again, one of those 
one of those billionaires, one of those huge money managers, thinkers that are kind of, they're all on the same page in terms of saying this can't continue, this can't continue, this can't continue. You have to start thinking that maybe there's a reason why they're motivated to say those kind of things based off maybe what they're, what they're betting on happening. But at the end of the day, there is, I, we haven't seen this kind of maybe uncertainty with, with the geopolitical stage in, in quite a while. Like we, we, we obviously have talked about Ukraine, Russia. We've talked about the, it's kind of hit the back burner for a little bit, but I assume comes back to the forefront at some point as the kind of China, Taiwan issues. You also have some other unrest in, in, in parts of Europe um, kind of to the, to the, to the West of the Middle East. That's, that's also um, spurring on at the moment, I guess, if you, if you read the right things in the right places. So I, I, I can appreciate the fact that if, if you view all of those things that you can see, well, maybe I'm not super, not super um, excited about maybe where the next, you know, nine to 12 months look, but at the same time, I think we, you also have to kind of let things play out. And also, as you point out, maybe think about rebalancing things to a degree to hedge against those bearish takes. Honestly, I think everyone should just buy Wegovy and um, Ozempic and be and just get skinny real quick. Unbelievable! Don't worry about the market narrative change. Intestinal. No, <laughs> don't don't worry about the side effects. I don't. Again, not a doctor here, but the market narrative on this has been fantastic. I think I mentioned this in July. However, it's now starting to play out. Pepsi started mentioning it in their most recent quarterly That's call. That's why sales are down. Yeah. Um, Walmart did too. So I, I mentioned this at um, at our Thanksgiving dinner, and that dinner I am without a doubt the lowest IQ at that table. It's not even close. And most of them are in healthcare. However, it seems as though they don't view it as that good of a thing. They don't think it's as important. However, I think it is. You There's mean in no terms way, of the drug use? Yeah, like 43 or 44% of America is obese. Mm-hmm. How is it going to zero a bad thing? It's something like 5 million people are, are taking a version of Ozempic or Wigovi. It's in, in the United States mm-hmm. specifically. If... If Are you it, on it for the rest of your life? Some, I don't, I don't think anything. so. Yeah. I, I, and again, do not hold me to these numbers, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to read a couple things here from um, Data Trek. But Morgan Stanley projects that 24 million people or almost 7% of the U.S. population will be taking a weight loss medications in 2035. I think that that's probably going to be a reality by 2025. Um, almost half of the U.S. population, 41.9%, is obese. Three-fourths are overweight or obese, according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's insane. That's really high. Three in four people? Holy moly. So they go on to say that Novo Nordisk began a heart disease study in 2018 with 17,000 adults aged 45 and older with a body mass index of 27 plus. Um, And they also had a a, uh, history of uh, cardiovascular disease. Some patients were given injections of the weight loss drug Rigovi, while others were given a placebo once a week. And then researchers track their their weight loss, heart attacks, strokes, and other things that measure their well being. 
They found that people who took Wegovy had 20% fewer heart attacks, strokes, and cardiovascular deaths combined, or sorry, yeah, 20% fewer than combined than those who received the placebo. The reduction surpassed the study's goal of demonstrating a 17% uh, reduction risk. Um, there's clear evidence that this is better for, for you. It's my understanding that in the first 90 days of taking Wegovy or, or Ozempic, most people lose 10% of their body mass and then go on to lose upwards of 40 pounds in the first year. I think that there's clear evidence that this is in going to be bigger than Botox. The company that makes Wegovy is, I believe, Nor um, Nor Norwegian or Ozempic, and it's now bigger than LVMH, which was for the longest time the largest company in Europe. Mm -hmm. I think there's something here. I, I'm wondering what the knock-on effects of a skinny America and a skinny North America is. Uh, well, I think you are shifting issues to a degree. I mean, if, if it's like, okay, well, now people are eating less. And I think the other thing to point out here is that it's an issue with, you know, when people first started talking about Botox or first, I mean, even with the, the creation of um, uh, Viagra originally, like the lots of these drugs go in with a purpose and then they shift off into something else from their marketability or the, cons the consumer use of something at the end of the day. And I just, I'm, I, maybe I'm a little bit not bearish, but I guess I just have a negative connotation around some of this stuff sometimes. Cause I feel like what happens is that it, it, it gets to a stage where it becomes abused and it's people who are using these drugs or getting onto these drugs who do not need to be on them and are you know obsessed with the idea of being rail thin or whatever it might be and these drugs might assist with that and what comes with not being able to like like you said three quarters of the population being deemed to be overweight whatever that definition is by the cdc or i'm not sure what the, i think the 40 percent of the numbers being or 40 percent yeah. of people being obese like those are the that's the focus group that's where the drug can help people sure it's not the Instagram model that wants to maintain a certain figure. Like I, I don't. Th that's not how I view that. That should be. Like, this should be a drug that's helping people with their way of lives, not something that is being abused. And yeah. So I, I could see it getting to the stage where there, there's that conflict and that. that well, let's issue. hope we get there. <laughs> let's hope we get there. Where yeah. it's only being used for vanity because everyone's skinny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I. But I guess at the same time, there's. I mean, and, and you talked about narrative and. The change the in narrative on all that stuff. I there has been obviously no different than when anything's rolled out for the first time. There's going to be a you can't truly say what the five year effects of all these things are, the ten year effects of all these things are. So that's going to change things. Yeah, too. Yeah, but it's fun to guess. So, um, <laughs> so listen to this this quote from. Walmart's but now everyone US everyone's going to be skinny. Everyone's going to be living longer. And now you, where are we going to put them all? Not in the hospital, which is awesome. <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, Huge okay. win, right? So. Uh, shares of popular drink and snack makers like Mondelez, Hershey, and PepsiCo fell last week after Walmart's U.S. CEO, John Ferner, told Bloomberg, we definitely do see slight changes compared to the total population. We do see a slight pullback in, overall, in their overall basket, just less units, less calories. This, to me, is a step shift. So if Walmart, which I think 
so this was the pushback at the at the Thanksgiving table. They they were like, well, it's just people being poor that can't afford groceries, and maybe that's true. Let's assume that there's cheaper places to go to get groceries than Walmart. I don't know where they are, but I'm pretty sure that's a decent place. I don't think that a constrained consumer is going to show in a reduction in calories purchased. If anything, I think it pops a bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ignore that as being wrong and then make a few other further assumptions here. I believe that this is going to be the single largest or contributor to the reduction in the cost of healthcare in our country and in the United States. I believe that if we were to continue down this current path of, of um, inflation in healthcare costs, that we probably weren't, aren't going to be able to have a social healthcare system in Canada. But if we're able to control our diets in a way in which human beings are actually willing to do, because exercise is never going to be something we do. Obviously, the 25 or 35% of the population that does exercise on a daily basis and controls their diet and is living healthy, um, that's fine. However, in the United States and, and Canada, it's proven that we don't necessarily do well with that. I think our diet and our portion sizes are outside of whatever we burn on a day-to-day basis. So we are, 74% of us are ob- overweight. Now, this gives us a controllable option. It's a I believe a drug that you you inject into your stomach, um, that's something people are very capable of doing. And I, the the to me this points to a lot of knock on effects that benefit our economy, that benefit our society, and make us better human beings. We've been looking for a weight loss drug that works forever. Jenny Craig, pretty proven system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing like. What is the effect on um, the the people that sell other weight loss drugs? I, I'm excited to see that industry die because we finally have something that's legitimate. No that, more herbal teas? Well, yeah. You know, um, no more taking sugar pills. There's no more fake drugs that you buy online. Obviously, there's going to be new people selling fake Ozempic and fake Lugovi, but... Mm. Obviously, again, we should start this by saying... um, Go to your doctor. Yes, please speak (laughs) to your physician about this. This is not a recommendation to take anything. I'm just saying that the knock-on effects here, market-wise, and I think just socially... Well, it's a huge opportunity. It's huge. Imagine the depression reduction. I mean, if you take um, overweight and obese down from 70-some-odd percent to 20... Mm -hmm. Our, the weight taken off our healthcare system is incredible. What's the cost of the drug in the United States? It's to way about? too expensive. Yeah. My so understanding that, is like that a leads month, into it's it. multiple hundreds of dollars, like $600 yeah, okay. a month. So that leads into the other. Not in the U.S. That's in Canada with like. Well, I'm not sorry, but that leads into the issues of affordability for. So I'm not, I'm not sure what the Venn diagram would say in terms of socioeconomic status and people who are overweight. But I'm assuming there's some pretty decent crossover there. And so access to those drugs would be the other, I guess, hurdle to get over, right, in terms of bringing the, the cost of that down and being able to get it to the people who need it most as well. So, and again, I can appreciate where you're coming from. It's early days in, in the development yeah. of this product yeah. and, and this industry, if you want to call it that, or, or the opportunity that's, that's out there. So let's see how it plays out. 
I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that it's not a massive the, the, the knock-on effect of it could be a, a, a massive plus for society. But as we know, things tend to take a lot longer to come oh, yeah. to fruition and be a positive than it's first thought to be. We do underestimate what we can do in 10 years. The 2035 thing, what BS. Honestly, <laughs> we're going to adopt this so fast. If we can somehow have this drug be... Uh, What's what's the what's the term for when they have protection on their on their IP for drug manufacturing? Oh, I don't know, but anyways, I, I know what you're saying. Once that yes. rolls off, yeah. this thing's going to be free, and everyone's going to be taking it. Maybe mm-hmm. that's when it happens. It, it rolls off in 2034. Yeah, so, maybe. Hey? Um, yeah. Nonetheless, I'm pretty excited about the the current trend here. Nothing would make me happier than Pepsi and Coca Cola and Hershey and the Mars family and all of those. Those, those companies, in my opinion, that have destroyed a lot of lives by just making something that's delicious, going to zero. <laughs> and, I mean, to see, as much as I love McDonald's, I would, wouldn't be brokenhearted to see their sales drop significantly. Well, I mean, I mean be but the thing is, like, a lot, of those com- a lot of those companies, too, though, like, you have to think, like, they have been successful for a reason. They're going to shift. They're going to shift what they, what their offerings and how they roll out and all that. Like, if... Like, look at the the rage of, you know, shifting towards, like, certain kind of drinks either being produced, but, like, with stevia or, like, all these alternatives. And, like, once a health trend turns into something that can be profited on, it's, like, these companies... There's are, no stopping this it. Exactly. So, I mean, as much as, yes, they've, they've profited on the backs of potentially creating a pretty massive issue with... And it's, like, at the end of the day who you control, like you have to have onus on yourself. I control what I put in my body. I know, I, I know you, you're saying that from an advertising perspective, what's pushed to us and what's available to us is obviously well, one I, thing. I mean, some people have eating disorders. I think hundred yeah. percent. And so like you, there's all those issues, but at the end of the day too, like there is onus on the consumer as well to yep. make decisions. And this is adding to the ability for a consumer to make a decision on, this is good for my health. I want to look into doing this. Yeah. Anecdotally, the few people that I know that are on it are happier and they feel healthier, faster, lighter, stronger, better. I hope that that continues. So I'm optimistic because I'm always optimistic. I'm the most miserable optimist that exists. Um, So I'm hoping that this continues. Um, Cam, on our way out today, I'd like Mm. to speak about the very important NHL season that is upcoming. Yeah, we talk about it all the time, so we might as well address. So the big, that kicked off yesterday with Who would have known? Because I don't think anyone watched. Yeah, well, I think they got, so we harp on the NHL a lot for their inability to market appropriately. And I think it's tough. Like this is, like we talk about the best times of years for sports and, you know, I'm sure, you know, broadcasters probably talk about this and how much money they can rake in at certain times of the year. You got NFL, full blast you got nhl and nba kicking off you got mlb playoffs and so it's all this kind of call you, your eyeballs can get stretched in a lot of different directions obviously the nfl is <laughs> always going to be killing it and and gathering the the lion's share of, it, of of attention especially until kind of you know christmas time i think the nba has kind of identified that too like they almost they definitely market their whole season, but it's like now like Christmas Day is like owned by 
or has historically been owned by the NBA. You actually see that the NFL reacted to that about two years ago, and now they have a Christmas Day game and like New Year's Day games and all this kind of stuff. Like they they market around those events too. But the NBA, um, we've talked about how they've had their maybe some issues or some stagnation over the last couple of years to a degree, but for the most part have been the the linear growth example of um, the, the big four or sorry, the other three big uh, sports organizations in, in North America and, and baseball and hockey are trying to f- find ways to mimic what they're doing. Not super successfully in my mind, uh, especially from the NHL's case. Like I think that the evidence is right in front of you, what you should be doing. We talked about it before you got these stars, you got personalities. You should be trying to market that and market rivalry and market market the individuals that are generational stars in your game like the nba does which i think creates more interest so yesterday again they got it right in terms of doing it on a tuesday you got no nfl going on you got no nba hasn't started yet college football obviously there you know there might be games but it's it's very tertiary all the big guys play on the weekends obviously so they made they got the date right i feel like but then they did three games, staggered starts. They listened to some feedback there as well. People always had an issue with, you know, three games kind of starting all within the same time frame. It's really hard to kind of watch it throughout, make an event of it. Okay, another plus maybe. But then, like, obviously we're biased because we're sitting here in Edmonton. But it's basic, it's consensus at this point that you have one of, or the best player in the league right now, potentially a top five player of all time someone who's coming into his prime has actually shown that he's coming out of his shell in terms of voicing opinions and being someone who you could actually probably market around. And he's sitting on the sidelines for the opening night. He, they had the Stanley cup. They're a consensus Stanley cup favorite going into the year. You just had an Epic series with the Stanley cup champions from last year in the Vegas golden Knights who did play last night. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of part of it, banner raising all that kind of stuff. Why not have, again, you do three games. One of them started at 5 PM Eastern three thirty local here in, in Edmonton or something like that. No one's watching that game. Nope. No one's probably watching that game out East either just because of the timing. Why not have two marquee games? I think maybe you nailed it with the first or with the the primetime game being the Blackhawks and Penguins. Chicago, massive center, first overall pick, kind of the next one. Okay, new shiny toy, for sure. I understand that. Pittsburgh Penguins, storied franchise, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, the old boys. Okay, awesome. You can market around that. And then have your second game have with your true like with the number one player in the league or for that matter it's like okay yeah you can do the edmonton vegas again rivalry you can market that piece a rematch from last year's you know maybe the best series out of last year's playoffs outside of the cup final wherever you want to say or it's like okay again toronto biggest market that you have in your also on the sidelines also on the sidelines like playing tonight like five o'clock against the Habs gate it's going to be you know opening night in canada like on Sportsnet or on Sportsnet tonight or CBC, whatever's showing it, like that's but that's going to be a marquee Connor game. Goes out at eight, exactly. It's an it, and like I, I understand ten the, the, o'clock Eastern time. The timing constraints, like throughout the year, understand you can't have yeah. every game. But on your marquee nights, like have this guy front and center. This should be a blasted over all over NBC because at the end of the day, as much as like okay, he plays in Edmonton, that's not a major center. Gretzky changed the 
the landscape for the NHL originally back in you know the 80s and into the 90s. Obviously, him going to L.A., massive move, huge for him playing in the States. But people became fans of the game because they were blown away by watching him play the game. Mm-hmm. As much as, like, marketing, being in a city, if you are unbelievable Edmonton at something... Edmonton should be playing the, the Rangers tonight. Yeah, sure, there you go. I have them over at 7 o'clock start, like, well, have in them, the major center. Have them fly to New York. Yeah. Start in the middle of nowhere... New York, well, I shouldn't say Milner, the, the center of the world, and then move their way back west. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just want to see him play prime time on the biggest yeah, stage. Yeah, not meld it in, like have it on. Like, yeah. you've, you have been playing a nobody team in Vancouver that no one's even a fan of. And you have, <laughs> in my opinion. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Like yeah. it's so outrageous mm-hmm. that I, also, I have to comment because I'm just watching the market open here. Mm-hmm. And. The junk food basket, the Goldman Sachs junk food basket, is getting obliterated. So recently, I think last night, Novo Nordic, Nordic, which is the company that owns and um, manufactures Wigovi and and Ozempic, Mm -hmm. just showed and had a fast-tracked trial and early approval because of its validity Mm. um, released in the evening and Pepsi is getting hammered <laughs> hammered it's this is going to be a long story probably something we'll be talking about no nope, actually I think what just happened is that we got validity for everything you said and it's thank correct. you it's, yep. <laughs> everything is 100% correct but yeah um, I'm excited about the hockey season this is the first time in my life uh, our an Edmonton Oilers team has been a favorite to win a, a cup pretty great pretty fun I'm excited it's going to be good. I, I, I think hopefully they can, again, I'm, I'm, always, I'm the internal optimist with hockey just because it's like my sport, what I grew up loving and playing, and I always wanted to be more successful. And so I honestly took the two things that they did last night that I think were correct as like kind of wins because they had never done that properly before. But it's just the it, – it's just when you compare it, like so like NFL, the last two weeks have had games in London – which I think we should I, – I, I've been meaning to look into this more in terms of their plan. I think I've, we've probably discussed it a little bit in terms of, like, them having a European They're getting division. an NFL team for sure. Because, like, I think they're going to have games in, I want to say, Munich later this year too. So they've had game two. They always have London games. And then there's going to be, I think, games in, in Germany as well. And it's just so interesting to me just to watch them dominate. They could just think. I know we talked about it at length, so I don't, we don't need to repeat everything. But just the way that they dominate the day, you wait like on sure on the East Coast, maybe it's a bit earlier for you, but like wake up here on Mountain Time, and it's like literally from the time you pour your coffee when your kids wake up in the morning until you go to bed, there's an NFL game on, and it's like they have the marquees every week that they, you know, NBC and Fox and whoever else can jump on board with and spend a bunch of time throwing it in your face and it's just they just have it's a fine tuned well-oiled machine and it's just like why can't anyone else just bottle up 10 percent or 15 percent of that <laughs> and work it in their favor but it's it's truly a it's a, it's Amer- a, an, an amazing american phenomenon the it's just a better sport too i think so well, that's the thing. I think that's all debatable and, and and subjective. I think it's what they've supported everything with on the outside of the sport that makes it truly. There's a ton of benefits, and we've gone over them a million times. Quite honestly, the timing, the fact that it's once a week, the 
the fantasy aspect, the betting aspect, the way that the game's played, um, all benefits our addictions and our schedules, <laughs> yeah, our life schedules. Yeah. So I, I think that it's well positioned from that perspective, and then it just continues to be marketed and managed well. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of the other leagues are are kind of fighting for the scraps, scraps after that, 100%, right? So yeah. Cam. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Signing off.